It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Back by no one's demand but our own. And from our home office here in the Gulch in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, it is the 615 Sessions presented by A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you. Very excited to be back with you after a, after an exhausting uh, post-draft recap show that we did on Tuesday. Appreciate our guests uh, who stopped by to share their insight. Those of you um, who gave me some really, really cool feedback on the Jeffrey Simmons conversations uh, that we had, I thought that was I thought that was very productive, uh, very healthy, uh, just to be able to you know talk out our thoughts together. But we're on to lighter fare. Uh, we will have plenty of time to discuss Jeffrey Simmons as rookie minicamp nears next weekend. But in the meantime, we've got a good show for you today. We have Titan safety Kevin Byard. He's going to be on here in just a moment. We also have. Justin Graver, who runs Titans Film Room uh, over at Music City Miracles, he's one of the one of the more analytical, uh, one of the more film savvy individuals that we have breaking down Titans tape. We're going to talk with Jack. We're going to talk. No, we're not. We're not going to talk with Jack Conklin. We're going to talk to Justin about Jack Conklin. Uh, there were some holes that needed to be poked in my theory, or not my theory. What my observation that Jack Conklin's fifth year option was declined because of. Um, because of ability as much as health, which is a, a, content, uh, a contention that I, that I made on Twitter. Uh, and you can read that article up at a to z sportsnashville.com. So we'll talk to Kevin Byard. We will talk to Justin Graver of Titans Film Room. Uh, and then we will get out of here because it's going to be a short show today. I think I, I gave you guys, uh, I, I buried you all in, in too much on Tuesday. And so we'll keep it light. We'll keep it short. We'll keep it up with Kevin Byard. Here on the 615 Sessions, presented by A to Z Sports. Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Pleased to be joined by Kevin Byer, Titan Safety. My man, I appreciate you stopping by. Uh, no, of course, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. Of What's course. Uh, so, let, before we get going here, Kevin, why don't you tell uh, the people what you're doing with Logan Ryan's event, the Chow Down, that's coming up at the end of the month? Oh, man, he has a great event that he's throwing. You know, Logan, he does the great things with the dogs and, uh, you know, his whole little foundation. So, you know, I just want to be a part of, you know, what he's doing. I'm, uh, I'm actually donated a couple of things. I think I, I gave him a jersey, a pair of cleats that he's going to auction off as well. And I'm actually going to be one of the judges, I think, including with me, Marcus Mariota, uh, ben Jones is going to be part of the judge, but man, it's going to be a great event. I think everybody should go buy tickets and come out and show some love and definitely support his cause. No doubt about it. Logan Ryan, one of the biggest community activists I think that you have in that locker room. My man is always out here working for the animals, right. and it looks like a lot of fun. Hopefully, 
uh, everybody will be able to make it out and get tickets. I know that it's certainly something that Tennessee Titans fans will want to be a part of. But you, Kevin, are somebody who is also incredibly active in the community, and we all know by now the jersey signings uh, that you have had pe- <laughs> that you were having people send to the Titans facility. Uh, you you were yeah. taking requests on Twitter. It looked, frankly, exhausting to me, Kevin. How many how many jerseys do you think you ended up signing that were sent to the facility? Oh, I definitely signed close to 100 jerseys. I mean, it, it, it was a lot of jerseys. I'm actually still getting a few straggle-ons that's coming in as well. Uh, just want me to sign jerseys and stuff like that. But like I said, it was just something great I wanted to do, you know, for the fans to reach back. Um, it's, I think something that, you know, most guys really don't do. I mean, it's just something about just just giving a little bit of time to, to the fans and just showing that you appreciate those guys. And especially for people that maybe across the country, and I was getting jerseys from Connecticut, from Texas, from even the state of Washington. So it was, it was great. And also for me to see that, you know, I had fans, you know, all across the country. So it was definitely uh, rewarding, and I'm definitely grateful for all the support. Yeah, it seems like you've come a long way since the whole more than just a fan thing with Deion Sanders last <laughs> season. I think sure. uh, I think people have, have pick, picked up on, on you and, and your name in a big way and, and on your team. But, like, Logan – or uh, I'm sorry, Kevin – I, uh, I, I think what you did there was so cool for a variety of reasons, uh, but I look, I look at it, and it's frankly why the reason I wanted to have you on, I'll, I'm sure I'll ask you one football question before we get out of here, and I don't want to take up too much of your time, um, but I look at it, I look at what you were doing, and I look at what your, some of your teammates were doing all across the course of the draft week in this offseason, how much you guys have really made a concerted effort to get your fan base and to get Titans fans more engaged, to get out there more in the community. And I'm wondering how, how you look at, Kevin, something like the Russell Westbrook situation and Paul George in the NBA, where they seem to be a, a little bit contentious, I guess, not with the fans, but with the media mm-hmm. and giving off a little bit of a, I don't know, kind, kind of schluffing off the fans, not on purpose, but through their actions, it just kind of turns people off as to their product. I'm wondering how somebody like you views that. You know, well, you know, I can really only speak for myself in certain situations, but, you know, in my experience with the fans in Nashville, I mean, they've just been so loving, they've been so supportive. So, I mean, and the kind of person I am, I just want to be able to reach back and show that same kind of appreciation and support to those guys. So, not only was I, you know, out in Nashville throughout the draft doing different uh, signings and meeting Greece and taking pictures with fans, I also did something that was very special to me in my heart that I actually did on the first night of the draft. I ended up throwing a youth draft party where I was able to take 30 kids from uh, – uh, inner city football youth team, maybe about you know ages from 12 to 13. I took them to a shopping spree in Dick Sporting Goods. The team was actually called the Music City Saints, and they're a pretty good football team. They do good in school, so I wanted to reach back to the youth as well. So I took them to a shopping spree to Dick's, and when I took them from Dick's, I took them to a Chick Fil A lounge that was on, that they opened up on Church Street. I saw that. And we was able to watch the. Yeah, we was able to watch the draft there. We was able to. I was able to partner with Microsoft as well, and they brought in some TVs. They brought in some games. We had some Madden tournaments. A couple of my teammates showed up: Adore Jackson, uh, Kenny Vaccaro, just just to name a few. And it, it was just an awesome event. The kids they had the biggest smiles on their faces, and just being able to reach out to the people, reaching out to the kids is just something that means so much more to me. It's, I understand it's, it's definitely happy for those guys, but it does more for me just to see the smiles on their faces. It's one of the more impressive things about you. I mean, there's a variety of impressive things about you, Kevin, and you can follow mm-hmm. Kevin Byard on Twitter at kb31 underscore era uh, is where you can find my man on the socials. Uh, it's it's one of the more impressive things about you, Kevin. Not because you're not doing this for yourself, but it's a really it's a real. Uh, well, you are, I guess, doing it a little bit for yourself because, of course, there's a, the gratification that comes with working mm-hmm. with people in the community and getting and getting out there with the fans and making it feel more personal. And I feel like football right. is football in particular 
is is kind of a faceless sport when it comes to you guys. I mean, obviously the helmets, but people don't really right. associate you by what you look like. They associate you by the number on your back or the the logo that right. you're wearing for your team. Uh, and I'm always I'm always curious how much how important it is to you to be able not to be recognized to be able to let fans right. associate who you are uh, and be out and involved with them uh, so often as you are. I- yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's important. You know, I actually, even throughout the draft, think before the first night of the draft, we went out, the Titans, we went out to Bridge Ministry and handed out and passed out food to some of the homeless people that was out there for that event. And like I said, it, it's very humbling because I, I come from humble beginnings, so I can understand and I relate to people that that's going through hard times and people that may not have everything that they want or they be working towards a certain goal. So I've been there. I've done that. Um, and I also understand that, you know, no matter if I'm playing at NFL, I'm a CEO of the company, you know, just like our owner who's, uh, powerful women in, in her own right, you know, we're all equals at the end of the day in the eyes of God. So at the end of the day, it's all about being able to reach back to those people and put a smile on their faces because, I mean, you have no clue what it may do for those guys' days. You know, even maybe that year, you have no clue what people are going through. So just be able to reach back can do more for those people than, you know, catching touchdowns or catching interceptions in, uh, at, at Nissan Stadium. Well, they like that part too, Kevin. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> right, right. I, I know they like that. But just like I said, man, it, it just it's so important to – be able to reach back to different people. For some people that may not be able to right. come to the come to the games or be able to watch, who have a TV to actually watch the games, but they can see me in the community doing different stuff like that. Like, hey, who is this guy? And then they may find out, okay, this guy's actually good on the field and he's great in the community. That's something that's important to me. Yeah, and it's why I like talking to guys like you. And I've, I've had Logan on a couple times. Logan's one of my favorite people to talk to, just because he's a hugely right. insightful individual, and he and he does so mm-hmm. much outside of just as you're saying on the football field. I think it's important to highlight that part of your guys's of your guys's involvement being such a big part of the community because I think it just makes us better as a city it's the more than just an athlete thing right and I I think I think that's one of the most important things to to focus on when we have you guys on the chat most definitely I mean Nashville is one of the more personable cities that I've ever been around I mean guys are so friendly I mean guys drive down the street they wave to you you know you don't really see that in a lot of other cities you go to a lot of big cities like Philadelphia or and, you know, just different places around the country. And, you know, it's not always like that. A lot of stuff is more fast-paced. But guys, are, people are so friendly out here. I mean, you kind of have no choice but to want to reach back and, and, and show that same kind of support because at the end of the day, you know, the people that's coming to our games, you know, they're pretty much paying our salaries. So at the end of the day, you're, you have to show your gratitude. You don't want to be you, you don't want to be a guy that, like you said, you don't want to turn the fans off to as, as you are because at the end of the day, I mean, I want to be able to, you know, hopefully if I can play here for a long time, I want to be able to raise my kids in this place and, uh, and grow a family and be able to live here, you know, in retirement life. So I want to be able to pretty much, you know, grow my roots and pretty much put a, put a stake in, in the city to let you know, like, I'm here, I'm a great guy, and I, I want to be a part of the community. Yeah, I know Titans fans like to hear that. Uh, you, you mentioned the NFL draft. What was, what was the coolest part out, outside of the, the, the work that you were doing and, at, with the youth mm-hmm. and, and trying to get more involved? What was your favorite part about the draft? Because that's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen, Kevin. I mean, just you know, even watching on the TV, man, to see all those people on Broadway, I'm talking about shoulder, it, it almost it was shoulder to shoulder, I mean, to see all the excitement of the people that came out, and not only just the people that was, that came from Nashville that showed out. I mean, from people coming all over the country. I mean, I was meeting six hundred thousand strong on Lower Broad, man. I've never seen anything that's like that's a lot it. of people. That's a lot of people. Man, I met a Titans fan that was from Germany that came out from Germany to come out for the draft. I'm like, wow, this is ridiculous. And to see that we was the most had the most people in any draft. I'm talking about like triple times than the one they had in Philly or Dallas. I'm like, that's that's incredible. And like I said, it was just such a 
uh, rewarding feeling to be able to see our city on the big stage. And honestly, for me personally, you know, seeing so many 31 jerseys out there. I mean, I was watching on TV, man. I was seeing 31 jerseys in the, in the front row of the draft. Uh, like I said, it's, it's just definitely a humble experience to be able to see all the support. And like I said, I've come from Middle Tennessee, a smaller school. I feel like I've been overlooked for a long time. But to see all those faces and all those Titans jerseys at the draft, it was amazing. That's like my buddy Teron Davenport over at ESPN.com says, TD is for the people. There is no question that KB is for the people as yeah, well. It's, been, it's, it's, it's really cool to watch you guys, you know, once, once you get here and, and how, how you, you are invested in the community. And it's, it's one of the things that I think goes, is a little underappreciated about professional athletes in this town. But I know we got to get you out of here. I don't want to keep you too long. But I've got a, a, a Titans looks like game that I want to play with you quickly if you got the time for it. Okay, okay. What's up? <laughs> okay. Does Marcus Mariota look like the friend who calls an Uber home 10 minutes after getting to the party? Hey, but hey, and that's funny because you don't really see Marcus out like that at all. So Ever. I mean, I, I definitely say he, he definitely looks like that. That's funny. <laughs> I uh, like that one. I like that comparison. Does Will Compton look like an extra on the set of the OC? <laughs> Will Compton looks like a, a expert of the Game of Thrones. I mean, this guy. When I see him on Twitter talk about Game of Thrones and talk about different shows. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's really intense when you get into different discussions. I actually think he's about to start a podcast so he can talk about all that kind of stuff all day, every day. Well, and, that's, and, that's, and given who his co-host is, I think that podcast is going to do pretty well here locally. <laughs> it's going to do super well. I, I know I'm going to tune in as well. So y'all guys go support Will Compton and Taylor on. <laughs> <laughs> the Wolf Den podcast, I believe it's called, coming soon to a podcast feed near you. All right, quickly, one more for you on the way out, and hopefully hopefully you're not scared of this one like Rashawn Evans was. Does Mike Vrabel okay. look like the guy who takes a first date to a beer league softball game? <laughs> yes, he does. He does. <laughs> I would say he does. I mean, Mike Bramble, I mean, you, you got you got to talk to him about, about his mustache, man. He's keeping that mustache going. You know, he's kind of looking like, you know, somebody off the Godfather or something like that right now. I mean, to, honest to God, it's one, of the most impre- on. it's one of the most impressive mustaches I've ever seen. I love that he's leaning into <laughs> it this year, Kevin. It's, 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 tremendous for, it's tremendous for social media content, no question about it. But you can check it's Kevin out nice. on social media at KB31 underscore era on Twitter is where you can follow Titan Safety Kevin Byard. I appreciate you stopping by, my man, and we will uh, – I, I guess I'll save the football questions for when they let us bat, back in the locker room here coming up soon. Oh, yes, sir, man. Like I said, it, it was definitely a pleasure to be on the show, man. Anytime you guys want to bring me on, man, I'm definitely always for it. Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville, Com. Buck Rising here with you. Pleased to be joined by the mastermind behind Titans Film Room on Twitter. You can follow them, follow him at Titans Film Room on Twitter. Justin Graver, kind enough to join us here on the podcast. My man, I appreciate the time. Wow, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that. No, I'm I'm glad to be here. No, no I mean, listen, you you run one of the most informative uh Twitter accounts. I'm all I'm all about making football conversation smarter and so helping uh helping me helping the audience better understand what we're watching on Sundays uh is an incredibly useful tool one that has made my job infinitely more difficult as we will discuss here in a moment uh but one that that it's has been very uh very effective and very useful and I know I'm not the only one uh who relies upon your expertise 
I appreciate it. That is the goal. So glad to hear that. <laughs> Thanks. So we're talking today for, well, I mean, we, we should have you on more often, but we're talking specifically today because the reported today by Adam Schefter in Pro Football Talk that the Titans will not be picking up the fifth-year option for right tackle Jack Conklin. Uh, so he is now set along with Marcus Mariota, Derrick Henry, Kevin Byard, and a, cover, a couple other notable Tennessee Titans uh, set to become a free agent now in 2020 after the season ends. Uh, I am somebody who believes that this was the right decision not just not from a not from a purely football perspective because we all know that Jack Conklin uh, has played very good football since he has been uh, when he is on the field here in Nashville but the problem is uh, in the past two seasons he has not been as available as he was or rather in the past season he was not as available as he was when he started all 16 in his first two uh, so my my issue uh, my point that I brought up on A to Z Sports nashville.com was that Conklin uh, was was not it was not just because of the health reasons that the Titans had decided not to pay this man uh, almost 13 million dollars which would make him the third highest paid right tackle in football uh, but because he's not as good as people believe him to be that doesn't mean that he's not a good player uh, that just that he's not the all pro caliber talent that he was that he was seen as his rookie season you were kind enough to point out some statistics that were available and through your study of it, uh, why you disagree with the point. So I would like uh, for you to explain to the audience what conclusions you've come to. Well, I, I don't disagree that it was the right decision to pick to decline the fifth-year option because it's just, like you said, it's way too much to pay. I mean, it's just too much to pay him. <laughs> Regardless if he was... if. That, I guess, is the point. If he was playing at the all-pro level that he supposedly played at during his rookie season and how much of it was about the help, I do think that the scheme change um, and the recovery from his injury has has played a role, That and we don't know how, how much of that has been from that. But I just wanted to make the point that uh, Superhorn, a uh, Twitter, Titans Twitter guy, has also made that there's no real quantifiable data to suggest that Jack Conklin received any more help or any less help than anyone else who plays the tackle position in the NFL because that's not something that anyone tracks. Right. And Jeff Schwartz is the first person to raise this point, but he's not the only one who's done so, um, that Conklin received a lot of help. And he went through and charted Conklin's game, but he didn't chart – any other tackles and no one's taking the time to do that it's not something that pro football focus does maybe they should um but i just think it's hard to say that the fact that he was receiving more help and now he's not or anything like that has affected the quality of his play i do think that the all pro that he received as a as a rookie was maybe not quite as deserved as it appeared to be but i don't think that that you know, the help or I guess I, I just don't think that that's an argument to make because there's nothing, there's no data to back it up. Right. And it's, it's purely something that I, because, because of how, how much Tennessee Titans football uh, that we all have to watch as people who cover this team. Um, I was, I was observing what I was, I was making the observation based on what I had seen 
on film. Now, your point is well made, and Superhorn's point is well made, that I'm not going and watching every right tackle in football <laughs> and charting you know, how often each right tackle received help from an additional tight end that was left in line uh, as a blocker, how often that teams were running two-man routes and keeping max protection in there to help in, uh, in pass protection for right tackle and how much each right tackle benefit, benefited from uh, said protection. But I do, I do look at this, and I, I want to understand better, I guess, whether, whether I'm, I'm making the correct observation based on the eye test, which is not something that I typically want to do because I, I think that our eyes, I think that football, and perhaps you can push back on this, Justin, uh, because you're somebody who studies this, I think, in much greater depth than most. I think that football is the sport that we most think that we understand but perhaps the one that we understand the least. So I'm trying to make what I'm trying to convey effectively what I'm watching on film to the audience. But then when you and Superhorn are bringing up these points in terms of what what Jack Conklin what Jack Conklin's effectiveness is in terms of pass protection on a year by year basis, uh, what you know it's it's difficult. I think of all the things to to track and to analyze, offensive and defensive line play outside of sacks might actually be the hardest. Right. It's it's just interesting because you never really know. I mean, you can take a pretty educated guess, but you never really know what anyone's true assignment is on a given play and who's really doing what they're supposed to be doing or maybe not. So that's one element of it. But then I also think that Jack Conklin um, didn't play very well last year. And I kind of touched on it earlier. He was recovering from a torn ACL, which is an injury that historically on average – they say it takes about 18 months to return to your pre-injury form from that type of injury. And then I also think the scheme changed because he didn't get to work in the uh, spring practices and really um, you know, practice the new reps of the motion of running laterally at the snap uh, in the running game that comes with running the outside zone blocking scheme that was a shift from – they ran some outside zone under Malarkey, but it was mostly a power and gap running scheme. Right. So adding that element to Conklin's game and then not giving him the offseason to work out the kinks because of the injury and then just the general sluggishness that comes with recovering from an injury. But he also had some pretty rough moments like in the Dallas Cowboys game uh, on Monday Night Football when Demarcus Lawrence just went right by him twice. And it wasn't – I mean, Lawrence is a great football player, but Conklin had took a bad step and his set was bad and he just got beat around the edge so easily and it happened twice and those plays like that you can't blame on the scheme uh you can maybe blame on the injury but that was pretty far along in the year at that point so it's like week nine or ten or something so I don't know it's tough to say at this point they definitely don't pick up the option because of what he did because of how he played last season he definitely wasn't himself last season and we don't know if he will be himself. So that's why, because it's guaranteed not for 2019, but for the 2020 season. That's hard to say what will be happening then. And there's a chance that Conklin will become a free agent at the end of the 2019 season. But there's also a chance that somewhere in the middle of the season, he's playing well and they sign him to an extension or they sign him to an extension in January of next year. Um, or he could hit the open market. I mean, if he, if he is really good, Think about what contracts like Trent Brown and Nate Soldier just signed. I mean, Trent Brown this oh, year. Oh, hell, his, his running mate on the opposite side, Taylor Lewan, 
is getting paid go. handsomely. And I know there's a disparity in contracts between right tackle and left tackle, even though I believe that that's, that's kind of a fault. That's kind of a, a flaw in the system if you're a right tackle because the, the athletes yeah. rushing the passer are just as, uh, just as freakish on either side of the ball or on either side of, uh, of the offensive line, I guess. Um, so I look, I look at Jack Conklin, though, and, and I, think, I, I think you're exactly right, and this is probably not the best for, for sports, sports talk content that we would both agree, but you're, you're, bringing ex- <laughs> I mean, you're bringing excellent points, and it's something I think that has plagued the analysis of not just the Tennessee Titans, but of football or really sports in general is how much we underrate the health of these guys and how detrimental it can be when one guy is not at full strength. And it totally affects the scheme because football is literally the most interconnected sport that we have. Yeah, totally, totally. So you just have to wait and see on Conklin, you know. And if he's not playing well, maybe Kelly comes in. Or they've been adamant that they're not going to try him at guard, but maybe they try him at guard. I mean, just to get something out of the pick because he was such a high pick. But on the other side of that, if you let him walk at the end of next year to a high because he's doing so well that you don't you can't afford to pay him you basically um you get a, a pretty good chance at least of getting a comp pick out of that so is the like a third round pick if they value a third round pick more than they value Jack Conklin what does that tell you about him in their eyes there's a lot that we just don't know yet that is going to have to happen and then we'll be able to assess it a lot better but I still think it was a good article you wrote today, so sorry for calling you out. <laughs> so, sorry for raining on my parade. No, no, listen, I, <laughs> I'm I, honest to God, I'm very happy when people bring because I think I think it's a flawed notion, at least in what we do, Justin, that people make an opinion, set their set their opinion, and hold to that opinion no matter what kind of new information they receive. I think it's a it's a plague upon sports media and one that I try to avoid. So I'm always very happy. Uh, when people like yourselves, educated people like yourselves, <laughs> at the very least, like Superhorn uh, and our friend Justin Graver, who you can follow on Twitter at Titans Film Room, uh, point out things that that I may I have I may initially have missed, and that I did initially miss in my analysis today of Conklin. So I'm very happy uh, to embrace things like that. But let's move away from offensive line talk, as as exhilarating as as sexy as that may be. Uh, Justin, or Justin, I'm I'm curious as to what you thought because you you mentioned that an ACL typically when you're talking about a return to full full strength, 18 months is is the period that you're normally looking at. You look at a guy like Justin Simmons, the Titans' first round pick in this year's NFL draft that was just here in Nashville, uh, and the projection or the the estimation. The Titans aren't putting a timeline on it, but the 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 the, the popular train of thought is that just Jeffrey Simmons may be available in November, at the end of November, early December, because he is just re- he is in the recovery process from an ACL surgery that he just had in February. What is a legitimate expectation based on what you've seen from Jeffrey Simmons uh, and based on what we know to be the case with ACL injuries? How much legitimate impact do you think he could have in 2019? Uh, that's a good question. And, you know, Mike Herndon, who writes for Music City Miracles on the F-Words pod, I know you know him. Uh, know him well. He wrote a really great piece about this on Friday of last week for Music City Miracles. And uh, to kind of paraphrase some of the stuff he said, it's different for every player, of course. 
But I do think there's something to the idea that a player who has an elite level work ethic like Simmons is reported to have will recover faster than uh, in someone with, who doesn't, doesn't have that. And I think that the fact that he's young, he's only 21 years old, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that the younger you are, the faster you can come back from something like this. And if we even look at Jack Conklin's timetable, um, his injury happened in January, and he came back, what, week five last season, I think? Correct. Week four? No, week four. I'm week, sorry. He missed the first three four. games of the regular season uh, with the, the initial ACL tear that he suffered in the divisional loss to the Patriots in the 2017-18 season. Uh, and then missed the first three games of the 2018 season. So that was end of September. So that was about, you know, nine months, ten months. So if we look at the same timetable for Simmons, just as a just a, as a starting point, he got hurt in February. Um, so then that would mean he's probably coming back around week seven or week eight. Unless you think that Jack Conklin was rushed back too quickly, in which case Simmons might not come back in week seven or week eight. But Mike made a really good point in his article that Chad Conklin plays offensive line, and that's a position that once you're on the field, you're on the field with the offense for every snap. Right. But on the defensive line, you can rotate in and out. So if they want to just give him a little bit of run when they think he's getting close just to get him out there and get some reps, that's a possibility. Another possibility is they have a week 11 bye. So you could just postpone his return until after that bye week, put him on the IR designated to return to start the season, or even the pup list if you want to wait till week 12. So, PUP. So, there you go. I think that a realistic return is anywhere from week 8 or 9 to week 12. Yeah, I think I think that they're going to be pretty hesitant based on the way that Corey Davis's career has kind of played out. I know that was a different coaching staff uh, his rookie year. But between Corey Davis and Rashawn Evans and Jack Conklin – uh, and their, you know, their need or their want, I guess, not need, but their want to get these guys back out on the field sooner because they had a team that they, you know, was in playoff contention until the very, very end. Uh, I think that they were just trying to scrap together whatever they could uh, and that they might have been a little too eager to get these guys back on the field uh, to a point where they were, were, were doing more good than harm. Uh, especially in the case of Jack Conklin, when right or when Jack Jack uh, excuse me, when uh, Jack Conklin was was got man, I am screwing all of this up. I'm all kinds of rattled. When Jack Conklin <laughs> was put up was put out on the field before he was ready to go, and Dennis Kelly was clearly the superior right tackle. Uh, I think that might have been the case. But let's yeah. let's talk a little bit about. And I don't know how much film study you've done on the Titans' new. Uh, rookie draft class but just briefly before we get you out of here Justin and I appreciate your time um, Juju Smith-Schuster is a comparison the Dane Brugler of the Athletic made on this podcast for new Titans wide receiver A.J. Brown now I don't know how how far you've gone in depth with your film study of A.J. thus far but if you if I know you've I know you've watched enough football I know that everybody knows who Juju Smith-Schuster is uh, are there any legitimate comparisons that you believe could be made between the two players' games? So, yes. I watched uh, 13 games of A.J. Brown back in February before, this, before the combine when I was just getting familiar with these guys. And I like to watch the guys um, on tape before I go read about them. So 
and before I write my own little, I just write little notes that I refer to later whenever I want to talk about them. So I made some notes on AJ Brown and I, I wrote, reminds me very much of Juju Smith Schuster, but he may be faster. Um, and then when I was watching AJ Brown, I had to take a break just to go back and look at some Juju tape from when he was at USC because he reminded me so much of him. And I thought I was being clever. I was like, wow, this is such a good comp. I'm going to look so smart when I make this comp. And then I start reading about him, and it's like every single person who's watched his film is making the same comparison. Right. So I think there's really something to it. And uh, Juju ran a 4.54 at the 40. A.J. Brown ran a 4.49. So he is a little bit faster. Um, he shows the same aggression uh, attacking the ball in the air and attacking players when he's blocking. There's that very famous or infamous maybe, uh, hit of Juju getting revenge on Vontez Burfecht and just laying him out cold. Oh, just stealing Vontez Burfecht's soul after after he uh, after he literally tried to kill uh, Antonio Brown <laughs> on the field in that game. God, I, right. miss, I miss the Steelers-Bengals games of old. Yeah, we're not going to have one of those this year, I don't think. No, I think not. <laughs> uh, but A.J. Brown has a clip like that where he just clean plows through a guy with his shoulder like that. It's It's... Almost a dirty blindside, but it's not quite dirty. Um, but he's just got that same like that same fire in him when he's on the field, and I think that it's a good comparison. J- Juju moves inside and out. AJ Brown played the last four games of his of his college career outside after DK Metcalf got hurt, and he racked up twenty five catches for five hundred and fifteen yards, I think, in those four games, mm-hmm. uh, including a two hundred yard game against Vanderbilt. <laughs> Derek Mason would like to forget that. Uh, just just my, miles from my apartment uh, over he, in West End. He abused Jawan Williams in that game. Yeah, he did. Uh, the local boy from Vanderbilt who uh, got drafted by the Patriots this year. So that's. I think that he can play both. I think he's going to play outside for the Titans. Um, I'm actually writing an article on him now for MCM about what he's what he's going to do for the team. He played baseball. He was drafted by the Padres coming out of high school. And you can really see that that uh, deep tracking ball, deep ball tracking ability when he's running over the shoulder like a baseball player running after a, a fly ball. So I think that he's going to be – I mean, honestly, I know this is going to sound like hyperbole and recency bias and everything, but it wouldn't surprise me if A.J. Brown ended up being the Titans' number one and Corey Davis was – sort of a number two or a one B to AJ Brown. That's not out of the question. Um, Probably not his rookie year, but over the course of his rookie contract. Yeah. I saw the projections from Mike Clay uh, over at ESPN uh, for the rookies, the rookie skill position players for the first three rounds. And he had, uh, in fact, I should probably have the numbers in front of me before I rattle this off. But essentially, the projections were for him to tie the the total amount, the, the team lead in touchdown catches last year, which was four for Corey Davis, uh, and have 50 catches, I believe, for just north of 600 yards, which would make him the second leading receiver on the Titans uh, in 2018. And 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 your point is is well taken. I don't I don't think it's hyperbole uh, to think that uh, AJ Brown could end up being a, a more viable number one option for, for the Tennessee Titans with Corey Davis still on the field. I think that po- people would probably turn their nose up at that initially, Justin, just because of where Corey Davis was drafted. Uh, but as right. we've seen um, in the way that the NFL draft works, things aren't always logical. Sometimes guys get overdrafted 
simply because of need or because people can't trade out of the picks that they want. I think that's uh, I think that may have been a situation that happened to the Titans and Corey Davis. They wanted the player. They couldn't get out of five. And I think that that's, that's how that ended up going down. And the, the result is that Corey Davis is forever going to have to live with the stigma that comes with being perhaps an underperforming wide receiver for the number five overall pick. Because, of course, ever, anybody who's coming into the league at that young age and is the fifth overall pick is going to be expect has ha, is going to have much greater expectations uh, than they may otherwise be able to provide. Yeah, and I think that it, a wide receiver at number five is generally not a good allocation of resources just because of what happens with their contract when they come up on the fifth year option. I mean, if the Titans don't pick up Corey Davis's fifth year option, that would be crazy. But if they do pick up his fifth year option, then that's the starting point for his second contract. And right. if he's not lived up to that by then, I mean. It's all, it doesn't matter yet, but I just don't think that that's really ever a good use of resources. But I'm on record. I wanted Corey Davis at the number five slot, and I'm glad they got him. And it's not a knock on Corey Davis to say that A.J. Brown is going to be is has a chance to be really good um, because I think A.J. Brown falling to 51, everyone said it in the media, is like that's a huge steal. It's a crazy value that the Titans were able to get. So I think that, you know, just be open to the idea, Titans fans, because <laughs> uh, he's going to be good. Well, if we know anything from from living a good portion of our lives on Twitter, uh, Justin, is that the Titans fans are nothing if not accepting. Uh, make, <laughs> Justin Graver, our guest here on 615 Sessions, make sure you're following him on Twitter at Titans Film Room. You can check him out. He's a staff writer and social content manager for SB Nation's Music City Miracles. we our friends over at the F Words Pod exist as well justin i greatly appreciate your time and your insight and we'll do it again soon my friend thank you so much really enjoyed our conversations today with kevin byard and justin graver of titans film room uh, make sure you are following both of those guys at kb31 underscore era I botched that enough during the interview that I think I can rattle it off pretty, pretty easily now. Uh, and at Titans Film Room is where you follow Justin. Both very both good follows for different reasons. Uh, but if you're a Titans fan, you're probably already following both. So I do not need to tell you that. But what I do need to tell you to do is to rate, review, and subscribe to the 615 Sessions podcast to leave us five-star ratings uh, where the ratings are able to be left Make sure that you are leaving five stars because four stars simply makes you a hater. Uh, we are also, by the way, now available in Spotify. Uh, enough of you have, have complained to me about not being able to get the podcast. Uh, SoundCloud and iTunes were not enough, so we have taken the 615 sessions further out into the internet, spreading my stupidity uh, to as many reaches as possible, and we are available for your consumption as a podcast on Spotify. So if you enjoy us, uh, if you enjoy us there, uh, make sure that you are rating and reviewing whatever needs to be rated and reviewed on Spotify. Thanks to Kevin Byard. Thanks to Justin Graver. Thanks to Austin and Zach. Make sure you are watching A to Z Sports uh, on weekday mornings. 8 a.m. is when they go live on Facebook Live and Periscope. It is Nashville's on-demand sports talk show, and they are happily uh, or stupidly, I'm not sure, employing me to do such great work as we did here today. So that being said, I'm Buck Rising, reminding you to stay hot, Nashville. We'll talk to you Tuesday right here on the 615 Sessions, presented by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.